There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Minor. Hello, folks. Help us move from awareness to action. This week is Mr. David Gerber, speaker, coach, and partner with Novus Global, an executive coaching firm that works with Fortune 500 companies, professional athletes, world-renowned artists, and business leaders. Welcome, David. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. So, world-renowned artists, Fortune 500 execs. That's, that, those are big deals, but probably none of them hold <laughs> n- none of them hold a candle to Centauri here. Is that right? Not even close. <laughs> Centauri, nothing to say about that. No, I was going to let you guys lead it. Just take okay. it away. Say all the nice <laughs> things about me. Just take it. Just we'll just jump right into it with Centauri. We're just going to throw him under the bus from the get go. <laughs> you know, David, I, I I always try to do that. I feel like I'm probably fifty fifty. You know, sometimes I hit it, sometimes I miss. But some are really really good, and some it's like George, you could have done better. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, we, we thought about adding, you know, the Fortune 500 uh, execs on there and then putting Centauri's name in there, but I thought that would be a little too much. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I like it. So, David, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your career path, how it is that, uh, that, that you found yourself um, working with Novus. Yeah, so I, um, in my, my 20s, I was working in IT with a, um, a startup company here in San Francisco Bay Area, and you know, in that work, I got to see a lot of, I got to work with a lot of different companies. And the, the biggest thing I, I saw was just how it seemed like how, I don't know how this may be a rough way to say it, but like just people's, the, the cultures at different companies just weren't very sound and didn't seem to really lend themselves to the leadership development that they were going for. And so if you, you know, and you read study after study after study in terms of uh, companies, employees that aren't uh, doing fulfilling work, they don't feel connected to their jobs, not getting a lot of satisfaction, and therefore their productivity and you know uh, their results are are lower than they're they're possible uh, or capable of. And so for me, as I was doing that work in the IT sector, I, I saw this happening, and I always had this, I always had this really deep desire to to work in the field of leadership, but I didn't never know how to kind of bridge that gap. And so when I when I first heard it, the kind of funny story about it is when I first heard about the coaching world, I I was really cynical of it and I thought it was kind of a joke and and I was you know life coaching what is that or executive coaching what does that mean and um, oh cool you know people can help people get better or whatever and I was really cynical and and then once I began to peek under the hood of it uh, I began to see this whole world that that I thought at the time about ten years ago realized. Man, this might be this might be my calling. This might be real like some deep work for me that I'd really enjoy doing. And so I just about ten years ago I began to explore it. And uh, a good friend of mine um, named Jason Jagger uh, began at the same time. And so him and I, I've known Jason for uh, he's a CEO of our coaching firm right now, and I've known Jason since 2006. And so it was around 2010, 2011. Him and I both uh, started kind of looking at the coaching field, and um, and then. A few years after that, he started Novus Global, and then I joined Novus Global about three years ago. Um, and that I'll just kind of quick story on it is just you know in the coaching world, there's a lot of folks that just do it independently, and uh, which is just one way to do it. Uh, and then Jason had this idea of doing it kind of um, as a group, 
And so I was really excited about the capacity of potentially doing it uh, with a team and a community of individuals who are committed to changing the world together. And so, um, so that's what caused me to join Nova School about three years ago. Nice. I love it. And David, tell us a little bit, uh, how, how does one become a coach? So I get the, the arc of the story behind it, but like, what, what do you learn and how do you learn to coach people? Like, what is that pedagogy? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So there's there's a, a number of different channels you can learn coaching, and there's different pedagogies as well. And so in some ways, me saying I'm a coach is like somebody tell you they're an athlete, right? And and so there's a lot of different kind of approaches to it. I would say the most common ones. Uh, let me let me start with the so so Nova's Global actually has a coaching institute, um, and we do it with a very high touch, very practical uh, apprenticeship type of model where you walk alongside of us in our coaching firm uh, for, for 12 to 18 months and you work, basically kind of work alongside of us and learn, learn it as a trade. Um, and so you're, in, you're, you're learning with and alongside and from people who have been doing this in the field for a number of years and have had success doing it. And so they're not just training you how to do it, like, like they've got the content and they need to bestow it upon you. They're actually... Um, all of the, the faculty in our institute are practitioners. So they're, they're out in the field actually coaching, building their practice or running their practice or whatever it is. Um, and so, so we think, obviously, the, because we built it that way, we think that's the best way to do it uh, because we think you actually you get what you're looking for. Because most times what happens a lot of times with training programs is they'll train you how to become a coach, but not necessarily how to run a coaching practice. And those are two different things. And so, um, and so, but, but my story kind of, that's, oh, sorry. So yeah, so you, you've got the, you've got the apprenticeship based model. You've got the certification programs, which I think there's, you can do certification programs online. You can go somewhere or sorry, I think you can do like, you know, intensives for four months or, you know, there's a lot of ways you can, you can learn the coaching craft is basically just learning a particular approach to the coaching field um, and then find one that resonates with you. And then, but then the biggest thing is bridging the gap between learning a coaching pedagogy and, and then applying it in a way where you actually develop coaching practice. Uh, because I, I think statistically, at least a couple of years ago, um, 80% of coaches had never, ever made more than $20,000 a year. Wow. So it's a, so what we'd say is it's, there's a, uh, or I heard a coach say, um, there's a low bar for entry, but a very high bar for success. So if you're going to do it <laughs> as a profession, it's uh, it's it's challenging. It's, it takes it takes quite a bit of work, and it's it's just like anything else, right? If if you're going to be good at it and you're going to do well with it, you've got to work your tail off. Um, you got to be very very good at it. Which certainly makes sense. So, all right. So what what attracted you to I guess the the industry or the 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 idea of it was recognizing that a lot of cultures at very successful companies even weren't necessarily optimal, and how people weren't engaged. And you're, you're thinking that if I can change that, if I can engage, get people engaged, then certainly results will follow. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong in that sort of yep. summary. And then you and um, your partner, the founder of, of the firm, came together. You, you, you like the model. Everything makes sense. So, so how do you engage with, with an organization? Like what does that look like? Yeah, so when, when we engage with organizations, typically right now it ends up starting via a, via a conversation. Um, usually it's a conversation with somebody who's a decision maker 
Uh, it could be the head of people, VP of people, something like that, something in that realm. We generally end up talking with them. Sometimes we'll end up talking to somebody from the executive team um, or even the CEO, whatever. Um, and so we'll a lot of times like uh, like our CEO has spoken at YPO events, for example, and then he'll speak. And then uh, usually it'll open up a lot of conversations, a lot of questions and inquiries from um, the CEOs in the room. And they're very intrigued with how would they roll this out in their into their companies um, and how do they create a company that's uh, what we, we use a term called meta performing, uh, which for us is like what's beyond high performance, because we, we know a lot of high performers. Um, and then we, we kind of create this category that's above that, where a high performer um, even wonders how they can grow further, right? So they don't hit their ceiling and they're like, okay, I'm a high performer, I've arrived, but how do they even grow beyond that? And so when we, when we engage with companies, our, our first step is to really, you know, just assess like what's going on, like where, where do they feel stuck? Where is the company culture getting in its own way? Uh, where, like, what results are they not hitting? What are the frustrations? You know, we, we, we just ask a lot of questions because for us, it's if we're going to come in and do the work, we want to make sure that the work's going to take root. And so we don't want to just, you know, just kind of slap something together, jump in there, do a two-day training and leave. Because um, we, we've even said to most companies, hey, if you just want us to come do a two-day training, don't do that because the stuff won't stick. And so we almost always insist, hey, if we're going to do a two-day training, uh, we we want to do six months of coaching on the back end because that's when the stuff, like the habits, the systems, the routines, the culture actually begins to change versus people come, they get fired up for two days. Uh, we love what we do with those two-day trainings, but we ha we don't see the results with those nearly to the degree uh, that we do when we do a six-month follow-up. And that definitely makes sense to me. And it's <laughs> today we're it feels like we're in a bit of a culture where there's a lot of people who would love to sell an organization a program and bill it as this is a silver bullet and a magic wand that's going to fix your problems. You just have to buy it. Yep. And it's going to sort of fix itself, <laughs> which yeah. obviously right. I think nine times out of 10 is not going to work. So how is it received when you go the opposite way? You say, you know what? We'd love for you to pay us the money to come in and, and, and do a, a two day session, but it's not going to work. We'd far rather, you know, do more work on the front end so that we can almost, I can't say guarantee success, but I, th I think you know what I'm asking. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of the idea of, uh, I, I read, somewhere I read this recently that it said sometimes, uh, uh, what, what did it say? It's like, uh, if, you think, if you think our coaching is expensive, you should try working with an amateur. I don't know if that, does that land, does that make sense? <laughs> no, oh, for sure, yeah. It's, it's, right? it's, so, yeah. it's that so whole you, thing you, about, you think education is expensive, try ignorance. Exactly. Right. right. So it's kind of flips it and says like, Hey, okay, so you can invest like, let's say 20, 25 grand in a two day training. Um, and we come and we go and it's, it's, it's for the most part, you're not going to get a huge ROI most likely again, what we've seen and we've talked to people in the industry. Um, and then let's say you're going to put X amount into doing the two day training on the six months of follow up coaching. Our assessment is you're going to get a significantly higher ROI on that, that, that investment. And so it's not about what it's, it's not about um, what the upfront cost is. It's what's wh what do you actually want? What's the vision for us coming in? If it's just to check a box for you to, you know, hey, we tried some company offsite or whatever. That's one thing. But if you actually want to significantly change a culture, you want to increase the results, the satisfaction, the joy around the office and the culture, then you you, you really got to commit to some significant shifts. 
So what's it, to your question of how do people receive that? Uh, so sometimes people are going to just go on price, right? So they're going to go with the with the cheaper option, um, and that and that's fine, right? There's a reason people shop at Nordstrom. There's a reason people shop at Walmart. There's a reason people, you know, buy a uh, you know a Ford. There's a reason people buy a Mercedes, right? And so for us, we're not we're not coming in trying to say like we just like to be really upfront with people and authentic and say. Hey, we want to match what we're gonna the the, uh, the package that we're gonna provide. We want to match that with what you actually want to get out of it, and not sell you something just to make a buck on it. That's just not that's not what we do, and it's not what we enjoy doing. David, I um, I love hearing that. I, I I think what helps our listeners really kind of conceptualize this is maybe give like a a case study of some change you've seen in an organization based on your coaching. And I know yeah. that you do a lot of work with individuals too. So love to hear how that process is. Yeah. versus just one-on-one coaching. Yeah, I love, you know, I love sharing about the stories, right? So the, the stories are everything because they help translate it to the day-to-day people, right? So for so one of the companies we worked with um, was a very large company in Michigan, and we we did a really good, you know, phenomenal job of tracking things. They really helped out with tracking the results of the things. So we did a two-day training with them. We did six months of follow-up coaching with them, and uh, and and when we talked with the SVP at the end of it. Um, he was, we would say, Hey, w- let's look at the results. Let's get really honest about the results. And we, we did that all the way along. And, and he said, you, uh, you helped us save $60 million. And, and we, and we were like, you know, really? wow. and yeah. And, 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 we're, and he's, and he looked at us and he said, that's no joke. And so then we said, okay, so what contributed to that? And so we, 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 we just looked at all of the things and, and we, we measured certain things. We we're like, what? What were the things that really trans, you know, um, that uh, translated into those results? And so some of the things that that showed up big time were uh, one of the biggest things we are, uh, you know, we we emphasize is an ownership culture, right? So you know, getting rid of the the blame in the culture, getting rid of throwing other people under the bus, uh, really having uh, our clients take ownership of of what's going on in their department and. Uh, their own development. So one of the things, so for instance, when I was coaching uh, one of the VPs in this in this uh, department, one of the biggest things was is he was spending so much time and effort preparing for his when he would give performance reviews to all the people that worked for him, right? Which for a VP is a, it's a significant amount of time. And I said, what if you could flip that? And what if everybody that when they come in for a performance review, they're putting the work in to prep for their performance review for themselves? And what if they put together their own self-development, self-improvement growth plan? And they've got a really clear document about how they're growing, what feedback they're getting, what results they're creating, where they're stuck. And like they take ownership for that. What if ownership went throughout the, uh, the layers of the company, whereas if, if I'm not getting the most out of my job, I'm speaking up saying, I want to get more value out of this. I want to add more value to the company. And so that was one of the biggest ones. One of the other ones that we noticed comes up a lot is – uh, is people because a lot of times what we end up having we end up doing is coaching people as they go from a director to a to a VP role or a VP to an SVP role or an SVP to an executive role and as people move up uh, as you can imagine they they get stuck because they're so used to executing because usually people that get promoted they're just so phenomenal executing things and they can get three times done in a day than most your average person but then when they move up or they're promoted then their challenge is now. How do I say no? Because now I've got three times or four times the responsibility and people working for me. And then, so one of the, one of the guys I was coaching with that, what I coached him on was 
how do you train people to uh, respect your time? So if you and I said, you know, what he noticed was anytime anybody wanted something from him, he would just drop whatever he was doing. And I asked him at one point, I said, hey, on a scale from one to 10, how efficient are you throughout the day? And he's like a four out of 10. And, and so we talked about that. And so then he created systems and, uh, in, within his department of, of, hey, here's the things that you need to do before you come and talk to me to, to demonstrate that you've tried to seek the answer out yourself versus just coming to me for the answer. Because, again, that's how he got known for uh, – that's how he, the reason he got promoted is because he found answers. Uh, but then he hasn't trained the people underneath him to find the answers. Well, I think that that's awesome right there. And, you know, the the problem that – you were seeking to solve with poor culture, lack of engagement is near and dear to my heart as well. I think that the lack of engagement is, I I think, one of the core problems that I point to for a lot of the other problems that that, that we see in in society and culture today. So being able to instill an ownership culture to get rid of blame and that's for the CEO, but it's also for people that are new to the organization. I think that people crave responsibility. I think that crave that people really crave wanting to be serious people. And the only way to do that is to, and I hate the word empower, but to empower <laughs> them by giving them that responsibility, by asking a lot of them. Yep. Do, do, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, and then I get, yeah, the word I know is kind of overused in our culture in terms of empowerment. Uh, but what's funny is it's one of those things that, uh, it's one of those beautiful cliches, as our CEO would say, it's a beautiful cliche. It's one of those things that everybody knows, but very few people enact, they like put it into practice. Um, I just forgot what you just said. You said, uh, oh, empowerment. So it's like, like it, uh, people get it. And like, that's a word that's thrown around a lot in terms of empowerment. But then it's funny how many people, uh, live very disempowered lives. So well, that's, people are, that's, that's 100% right. Yeah, people are aware of it, but then they go around not not taking ownership of the results of their life. And by the way, that means you could increase the results of your life. You could grow them. You could have uh, better results in terms of your income, your impact, your relationships uh, with your with your your spouse, your kids, whoever. Like like, what if you know you could have a thrilling life throughout throughout your world, right? With everything that you're involved in. Because you decided to take responsibility for it. Yeah, and the reality is it's available to everybody. Um, but I think <laughs> and that's it's it sound sounds easy, does hard. But that's yeah, really yeah, yeah. that's really what the opportunity is, I think, from from a leadership perspective is to recognize that and then to help people step into that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's 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 an absolute blast and like an, it, it feels like most of my day is so joyful because I get to you know, what we, the phrase we use in our, our firm is I get to hold space for people to see the brilliance that's inside of them already <laughs> that they don't realize is there. Mm. I love that. Right. David. So it's not consulted. Uh, I'm not consulting as much as asking really good questions and inquiring with people what's inside of them. Um, one of the things that people may not know about you, but um, I do, is that you go to prison a lot. Can you talk a little <laughs> bit about um, how your work with Novus kind of dovetails and t- ties into your work that you do with uh, Defy Ventures. Yeah, so there's a, f- a couple of few a few touch points on this. One is is that my, the first trip I went to prison, since sorry, you may or may not know this, was actually with like I ended up going with a group of people from Gen Next, uh, which was my first initial introduction into Gen uh, the Gen Next community. And so 
Um, I, I'm guessing most of the listeners kind of understand what Gen X is. If they don't, you can tell them more about it. <laughs> but um, so I went with Gen X on a, on a trip with an organization called Defy Ventures. And Defy Ventures, what they do is they go into prisons and they they do a, a six to eight month program with, uh, with people in prison. And what I, what, one of my favorite things about it is they begin to shift the language. So instead of calling them inmates or prisoners or uh, whatever, they call them um, entrepreneurs in training or EITs for short. So they begin to shift the language of people in the prisons that actually choose to be in the program. So the moment they step into the program, they begin, they say, hey, you're, you are now an entrepreneur in training. And then they even say, you are the CEO of your new life. And the way that that translates into the work that we do is uh, what's fun is when I do this work in prisons and then if I ever get somebody who's resistant in a company, I always have really good stories about how my prisoners are much easier to coach um, <laughs> or my EITs. And, and so and when we go into and do the work with the EITs, um, you, would, uh, you would be so surprised at how much they, when, when they hear that language of EIT, they hear the language of CEO of your new life, it, it sparks something in them. And so, uh, so uh, groups of volunteers go in, and they they get to be in be in in, in the space. You know, essentially, that you're in prisons anywhere from level two, level three, level level four, which in California is max security. So I've been in a number of max uh, max security prisons in the last year, doing uh, coaching work. At, you know, coaching the the EITs on soft skills and hard skills of how they built uh, develop a business plan. How do they write a resume? How do they talk about themselves, right? How do they, when they go in for an interview, when they get out of prison, how do they, how do they speak to uh, who they are and how do they own the fact that they have a record or whatever it is as they get out? And so it's uh, some of my favorite days in the last year have, uh, have been days I've been in prison uh, doing this type of work. Nice. Well, that is, uh, I, I imagine... Uh, such a unique experience. It's so rewarding. So I, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. So you've been, you've been with Novus for, for about three years. You mentioned yeah. one of the, one of the questions we love asking people is what are the top three things you've learned over the past three years? Yeah, I, I saw that question and I, I absolutely love the question. The, and I'm going to speak a bit more from the, I'll, I'll speak somewhat to the philosophy of what we do, but I'm also going to speak to the heart of of the impact that it made in my life, right? Because like we could easily sit here and talk philosophical, you know, pedagogy or whatever. But there's there's been a few things I've learned in the last three years that have been essentially life altering for me, and 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 I'll I'll just share some anecdotal stories um, and tie these in. And but there, there there's been some things that as I as I sat and thought about the, that question that, that came to mind for me. Um, one of them is it, it was that. I had this revelation. This was probably more in the last six months or so. And, uh, and it was this, this idea that, so, so growing up and, and, and this is the, the coaching work really helped me with this because it, it, what the, what the coaching work helps me do is helps me see things I didn't see before. And so what I, what I realized when I was doing the coaching work one time was that I realized that, uh, I didn't really, I didn't really like who I was or I didn't love who I was. And, and then it, it really was ended up being focused on looking backwards. Like I, I remember looking back at my life and realizing, Oh, like I, I never really liked I, I, And for me, like the thing was, I didn't feel like I had a backbone as a kid. I felt like I was fairly weak. I didn't know how to stand up for myself. And I realized, um, I, you know, I essentially learned this about myself. Like, wow, like 
and, and I think subconsciously I had a lot of shame and a lot of um, frustration around my inability as a kid to like stand up for myself, to have any confidence, any self-esteem. I just, I just didn't know how to do it, right? And, and so I, I learned that in the, in the last six months and, and seeing that and um, the, the way that that came up upon this was I was doing this visualization exercise. Um, and when I was doing this visualization exercise, one of the visualizations that the person that was guiding the visualization talked about was, they said, I want you to imagine, um, you know, you're, <laughs> you're standing there at a playground and you, you're, you as an adult, like now, are watching yourself as a kid playing the playground. Um, and then I want you to imagine that, the, that the, little, the little kid version of you runs over to you and like jumps up into your arms and there you are as an adult now holding yourself as a kid. Um, and then like they said, I want you to imagine yourself as an adult looking into yourself as a kid's eyes. And I want you to imagine yourself as a kid looking in your, 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 your eyes as an adult. And I want you to just have a moment there. And what, what do you want to say as an adult to your kid version of you? And what do you want to say as a kid to the adult version of you? And, and, and I remember, I think the, the visualization at, you know, that point lasted five or 10 minutes. And, um, and that was when began, I began to learn a lot of this stuff. I was like, Oh wow. And like, I was able to say to my five-year-old self, like, I'm really proud of you, man. Like, I'm really proud of you as a kid. I'm really proud for how you keep stepping up to the plate, keep trying things out, keep going for things. And then as a kid, like my five-year-old self was able to say to me the simple things of like, you're awesome, man. Like just like the simple things that we, I think, take for granted that we can't sometimes seem to overcome. So that's that's one of the that's one of the three things I've learned uh, in the past three years. That's uh, a big th- piece of learning, right there, man. Yeah, it was it was huge. And um, and, and as I thought about these things, I was going to share. I was like, do I share that? And I was like, you know, I want to share that. Right. Because, I could, again, I could come off with all these quips about like coaching's awesome and like, no. <laughs> you know, bring us in and we'll save you 60 million dollars. And it's like it, it, and some of that stuff's true. Right. But a lot of it is, is, is how do we connect to our, ourselves at a deep level where we want to dramatically increase our impact on the world because uh, we love ourselves. We love other people. And we want like we just want to burst through with a heart of service. Right? Oh, I, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's a, love that. Do I do, do I have time for two more things? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. Um, so the, um, the one of the other things I've learned in the last three years um, is that I, I learned this this concept of this ties in a little bit with the first one, but it is separate of this concept of what I call self honor. And for me, what it was is so one of the things I've struggled with throughout my life is is I've had a struggle with anger. And, uh, and I don't necessarily know where it came from. I've, I've been in therapy. I've been, I've been coaching around that. I've had like all kinds of stuff, visualizations, blah, blah, blah. And one of the, one of the things that I came across that, that, um, that I realized was that I could, um, I could honor myself, even the parts of me that I'm struggling with, even the parts of me that are in process, right? Because before what I used to do is when I get angry, then I would get angry that I got angry. And, and then I was angry that I got angry that I got angry. And it became the cycle wow. of like where it would just uh, – and, and then the anger would build up. And then, um, and then sometimes I'd go for like a month and not you know, get upset about something. And then as soon as I get upset about something, then the cycle would kind of start, kick right back in. It was almost like – and I actually had a coach who said, your anger is almost like an addiction. <laughs> and I was, I was like, what? An addiction? And she said, yeah. She said um, – 
notice, like, think about, like, get your, get your mind in a moment where you got angry in the last week. And she's like, what, what thoughts went through your head? And, and I thought about it and I got angry and this, and I never saw this before, but usually for myself, when I got angry. I would start saying really self-insulting thoughts to myself that had lots of expl- expletives and all this kind of stuff. Like you suck and oh, wow. ne- right. You never get this together. And this was my journey, right? So this may, you know, maybe this resonates with some people that are listening is it would just, I would just berate myself. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I get like a chemical hit from that. Like I get what a, what an addict gets from, you know, something. And, and it was a huge revelation in a sense of like, Whoa, okay. Wow. That's fascinating. Um, and, and then I realized, Oh, like, okay. So, and I started to think about how could I shift this? And I realized it was something, you know, if you, if, if people that are um, Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the phrases they have in that is this concept of just for today. Right? I don't have to quit drinking for 40 years. I, I just quit drink. I just don't drink today, just for today. And I realized for me that, that um, my wrestle with anger was like showering. It was like, it's like it's something I could do regularly, right? It's something that it's just something I'm aware of. Um, and it's, it's, I would say, I'll venture to guess my anger has decreased 70 to 80% in the last few years. Wow. Um, simply from the reality of like, oh, I don't need to resist it. I don't need to beat myself up over it. Like, as soon as I notice it, it's like, okay, like, do I need to go, like, do I need to go just take a time out? Do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to meditate for a few minutes? Like, what do I need to do? Just be aware of it, right? Rather than insulting myself for being this terrible person who struggles with anger. It was, it was huge. <laughs> wow. Those are two very like vulnerable insights. Thank, thanks for sharing. Really yeah. Good. Yeah. And, and, and for me, it was like if, if my journey could be a resource to people and I, you know, I maybe would have struggled saying those. And even like as I was like, writing these down today, I was like, don't share those things. Like, like share like again, share like the cool stuff or whatever. And, <laughs> and but, but again, this is this is the stuff I really like. I really love to share because. Again, I think the connection it, it brings to myself and other people is, is, is tremendous. Uh, and then the, the, last, uh, the last one or two here of, of the three things um, is, and then this may be more of kind of what falls in the, in the line with, with what I was thinking before, is, is um, be relentless with your yes and your no. And, and what I mean by this is um, I used to spend um, most of my life saying yes to everything. Cause I was trying to people please. And I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't hardly say no for anything. And so I, I would, you know, say yes to just stuff throughout the week. And then I'd say yes to helping three friends move on Saturday and I mm. wouldn't get rest. And, um, and then all this stuff. And I was just always saying yes, because it was almost like a, like a, like a visceral reaction. Like somebody asked me to do something. I said, yes, of course I can do that. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't know how to say no. And so now when I coach these executives on saying no, it's, it's, I know what the journey's like. And I still remember the day. I still remember the first time I emphatically and intentionally said no. <laughs> and, and, and it was when um, a friend of ours called to ask if he could come do a, a, a Cutco demonstration at my house. And I just, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I was sitting there and, and I was like, no, um, no. And I just, and I, I remember getting That's a good phone. one to say no to. Yeah. And I got off the phone and I, I, I was, I was so happy p- partly because I had like, it was, that was nerve wracking for me. I was like shaking. I was like, I'm going to say no. Oh my gosh. You know, they're not going to like me and all this stuff. And I just said, you know, Hey, I'm not going to do that. And, and then I, I realized I just bought 45 minutes to an hour of my life back. Plus a couple hundred bucks. I would have spent on knives most likely because you know, they have good sales tactics. So I probably would have sure. bought. It's uh, and so, um, but mostly it was that I had gotten an hour of my life back. And when you learn to respect your time, 
And so when I say be relentless with your yes and no, it is not just being relentless with your, with your no, it's being relentless with your yes. Like when you look at your calendar, can you say hell yes to everything in there almost? Almost everything in there. Can you get yourself to a place where you're like, this set my life to have the biggest impact on the world? And or are you filling your calendar with all kinds of stuff that's like semi-mediocre or, you know, just because you don't know how to say no or or haven't decided to say no to things? Are you just reactively like living your life or are you proactively saying this is what I'm up to? And, 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 and you know, to speak to, you know, just being a part of the Gen X community and the Defy Ventures community, like those are hell yeses for me. You know, being around people that are in Gen X, being around people that are in the five ventures, being around people that are in Novus Global, our coaching firm, like those are the people that I want to surround my life with because those are all people that are committed to, um, as, as Antari said uh, on a previous podcast, making the world better for all children. Right. And, and that's what that's what I'm up to. And so that's being relentless with your yes and no so that you can make the biggest difference in the world for the future uh, of, of the children of the world. That's that's what's important to me. Well, it was Dig an that, awesome man. three over three. <clears throat> All right, David. Thank, <laughs> thank you for that. Those are those are some pretty solid ones. So, David, how how can people engage with you? Yeah, so um, I've been writing more rec- uh, more freak- more more freak- more frequently recently on my. I do have a blog. I know I don't know if blogging is still a thing, but I I do it as a discipline for me to just sit down and go. What do I have to say right now? What what is burning in my soul? that I just really want to share with the world. And, and so I just, and I try to write really short blogs, kind of like, kind of like Seth, Blo- uh, Seth Godin used to do where he'd write really short blogs. And he's, he still uh, does. Like, <laughs> he still does. Uh, yeah. So I should say used to, I, I guess. Yeah. So he's still rolling with them. And so I, I seek to write like that. I, I write some articles on, on LinkedIn um, from time to time. And, um, and then I, uh, you know, obviously I have an Instagram uh, account and Facebook and all that fun stuff. So you can find me there. My website is davidagerber.com. So don't forget the A in the middle. Um, otherwise you'll go somewhere who, who some David Gerber that won't sell me his, uh, his domain. <laughs> that, uh, he, doesn't really, he doesn't really use it, but he won't sell it to me. So I, I've tried, but, uh, so davidagerber.com and, um, and that's where, and then, and then, um, the, the website for our coaching firm is novus.global. And so you can check out everything there that we do. And again, we have a we have a, a coaching institute that we have that's starting a cohort up in January. So if there's anybody that's listening that is interested in the coaching field, uh, we we uh, you know we can chat about that as well. Excellent, Centauri. What else? Nothing. That was. Uh, thank you, David, for being vulnerable, for especially for talking about things that I think a lot of our mis- our listeners that will resonate with especially yeah. being relentless with your, your yes and your no. Uh, I'm definitely going to try to incorporate that, incorporate that <laughs> yeah. a little bit more. So uh, yeah. thanks for being on today. Yeah. Can I add one more thing since Ari, since the, the last question you sent, I, I was, I really liked it. Um, do you mind if I speak about that for a second? Go for it. Okay. Um, it, so you, you said the question and you said, uh, you said knowing the whole world would hear it. What plea would you make? Um, and I, I love that question um, of like, what's the, what's the, what's the lead in, in the story? Um, and, and for me, it's, it's two pronged and, and that may, may totally defeat the purpose of a lead, but like it comes from this question. And, and, and for me, the question is, um, do you think what you don't know is worth knowing? Do you think what you don't know is worth knowing? Right? So for me, it's like, 
the understanding of that that my anger was uh, was an addiction type of thing. Like, did I know? Did I think that what I didn't know about that was worth knowing? And um, and like the ways that I could really honor myself as a kid, honor myself as an adult. Did I think that that was worth knowing? Um, and so the plea that I would make uh, from that is like is is to people is really get connected with the reality that you don't know what you're capable of or that like essentially that you are underestimating your capacity in some way. And that's like the best news you could ever hear. That's meant to not say, that's not meant to be an insult. It's meant to say that no matter where you are in success, no matter if you've, if you're just getting started out of college or if you're a multi multi-millionaire who's run and sold many businesses, everybody is, is underestimating their capacity at some level and the impact they could have. And so do you think that what you don't know is worth knowing? And, and then to end it with a quote, um, Ed Catmull, who's the president uh, of Pixar, he said uh, he, he he was known for this one phrase. And I love that he he would he went he approached each day with this phrase of, "I'm wrong about something and I don't know what it is." <laughs> um, and 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 what I what it what it brings me to is this concept of um, it's like what if we could be known as like people of wonder, people of curiosity, people of inquiry, and and it's like, do you think that what you don't know is worth knowing? What if we could be curious about um, the capacity to create a life that has greater results, greater joy, greater happiness, greater satisfaction, fulfillment, not only for our own lives personally, but what if we could do that? Um, what if we could live in that wonder with how we could do it when we're, when we're leading our teams, our companies, our organizations? And what if we would bring that in and insert more of that into everything that we do throughout our lives? I love it. Well, David, th- thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. I'd love to uh, talk with both of you. So this please awesome. do. Thanks, David. Please do go yeah. to davidagerber.com. Go to novus.global. List both of those in the notes of the show. Thanks, as always, for listening. And remember, keep questioning because the struggle is real. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.